Welcome back to the Nourish Your Potential podcast. My name is Kushla and I'm excited to bring you this episode with Simone Mayer. Just a little bit of a heads up, it does include some topics that some people may find hard to listen to, including mental health, eating disorders, self-harm and sexual abuse. Otherwise, I really hope you enjoy this very insightful and honest episode with the multi-sport champion of New Zealand. Welcome to episode 17. Today I have Simone Meyer, one of New Zealand's best adventure racers, including being a multiple champion of the Coast to Coast Longest Day. Simone recently got in contact around some of my previous episodes, including those on eating disorders, as well as enjoying those of her friends, including Dougal Allen and Dan Jones. It is a real privilege to have Simone come on and share, share her story of significant struggles in her younger years to now being such an incredible athlete. Simone, so stoked to have you on the podcast. Where are you speaking from in the country today? I'm currently sitting in Wanaka at work, <laughs> but I'm not at work. <laughs> Sneaky wee hour off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Pretending I'm working. But no, 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 I'm not even scheduled on today. <laughs> Pretty much the best place in the country to live. I would love to live in Wanaka. Yeah, it's, it's, I have to admit it's not a bad, it's not a bad place. I mean, for me, it's like paradise um, and I always, it's like a bubble. And so it's good to leave and, you know, go outside and see what's what's happening in other parts of New Zealand. But when I come back, it's like, God, we're so lucky. <laughs> it's just so incredible lucky here. Yeah. yeah. Have you always lived in Monica since you came to New Zealand? Yeah, like, yeah, for, I've been here for 15 and a bit years now and, I basically came straight to Wanaka, kind of never left the first 10 years. Then when I started more racing overseas, I've the last six, seven years, I've been, I guess, on and off, like spending four or five months overseas and coming back and just ticketing around. Or it's, it's always really hard to, to, you know, when you rent a place to keep your place. Mm. <laughs> um, so when you leave, it means like you just pack up and come back and find a new place. So I've moved a lot around, I'd say. <laughs> But mainly on the south side and maybe around one, you know, yeah, down here, like Queenstown, Christchurch, Nelson, but always on the south side. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, awesome. What's been going on for you recently? How's training? Yeah, that's been an interesting one. I haven't really done much as such. And I know people probably won't believe me that I had almost six seven eight nine uh, eight weeks off after god zone <laughs> that took me quite a while recovering like more mentally than physically it was just really kind of numb in my brain <laughs> feeling when i was like god wow <laughs> it was a biggie <laughs> so i just started i guess you know the i don't know getting big into it i haven't been running since coast to coast well god zone i wouldn't re- wouldn't describe it as running around. It was more shuffling and, you know, walking a good pace if we could. Um, yeah, I had an injury, so I've just been trying managing the injury that I had way before coast. Even now it's been playing out, but I feel like I just got the hang of it. Like I got, I feel like it's getting good. It's getting, going way better than it's been. Till last week I came off my little mono wheel. It just ran into my ankle and it looked like I sprayed my ankle, but I didn't. It's <laughs> just a big bruise. <laughs> And I was like, oh, no, all my work is done for nothing. But um, touch wood, it's good. (laughs) Was it an ankle injury? Yeah, well, it's a kind of a combination. It must be one of the tendons that goes around the ankle up to your Achilles. 
um, that's been giving me a lot of grief since last year. Oh my gosh, beginning of December where, um, yeah, yeah, it's been a long, long time. It's, I don't know if people say, you know, sometimes then it turns almost into a chronic, yeah. a chronic thing rather than, yeah. But it definitely, you can see when I do, for example, go to the, you know, do string exercise or even running, training for the coast, I could see how my right leg is just not a hundred percent, how do you say, reliable. And I would compensate with my left leg a lot. So it's like, damn. And I can feel it, obviously. Like it definitely, you can feel it. <laughs> well, I could feel it. Right now I cannot, which is like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. So touch wood. Touch wood. So <laughs> the bloody, yeah. Till the bloody wheel have ran over my leg. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, it's maybe just a so- solid rest that you needed to, you know, get it sorted. Yeah, yeah which I, I, I did talk to the physio and I, I said, you know, I had four weeks of literally not running, not biking. I basically put my bike on the hook, which I did say during God's Zone, which people like, ah, you will never be able to do this. Like, I did. And I really did. <laughs> And then I gave four weeks of complete rest, like not even, I hardly walked. I literally was a, a couch potato, which I sometimes enjoy. <laughs> and I think I needed that. <laughs> but that didn't, like not moving didn't help either. But I talked to a good guy down here and he gave me some good recommendations regard tendons and how to, how other athletes started by using gelatine and um, what's the other one, something else something else slash going to the gym as a rehab thing and I don't know if it's a bloody um, placebo effect in my head and my body but it's been working <laughs> it's been so good yeah. and I was like it's disgusting I can't even uh, uh, think about it but yeah uh, I don't care what it takes to get my feet and my body healthy again you know or just injury free yeah I can't imagine you being a couch potato but I think after God's own or what anyone else went through in that race I think it would have taken absolutely everything plus some out of you yeah I think it always um, comes down to how you obviously I went in there with a lot of expectations or high expectations of us and our team and and I think we all did and of course it didn't go so well and then um, I, I guess it's. I find it sometimes even when you do an, an individual race, and you know when you know when you put the bars high, really high, and then you don't do as well as you thought, or you don't do as well to expectations. Mentally, I always find it quite mind blowing how how um, how much it affects me emotionally to re- recover afterwards. Like I. I don't know, in the past, I would just, I don't know, kind of bottle it up and just carry on and train even harder, you know what I mean? Like, just get on with shit, like like they say, doing. But, like, now it's like I can't just always want to – I need a bit of time to process, if that makes sense. Like, that's probably the right the right word to extra- describe it. Yeah, I feel like I need to take time to actually, well, let my body feel and, re- you know, recover and go through the motion and let it process, like, what we just done, what went wrong, like – because if I don't give myself this time, um, I feel like it might catch up later. Hmm. So I feel like I'm getting a bit off track. But it kind of makes sense because if I don't give my body the rest it needs, even I feel, you know, spongy as a bunny to carry on, it will catch up later. That's the experience I had in the past. Then I will just get injured even more. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to just take off four weeks straight away because I'm tired anyway. And, you know, it's been such a long um 
that even for co-host and also for my partner it's been a roller coaster with you know like he hardly saw me training for co-host and then got on he was like have I got a girlfriend? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll be back. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it was actually great to have finally some, like, made time for him to, you know, hang out again <laughs> and be boyfriend and girlfriend again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And in good and bad days. <laughs> One of the biggest challenges in God's Zone for everyone is always looking after your feet. So, how do you manage that? And I mean, from what I've heard, that was something that um, really got to your team was that Sam Manson's feet were not in a good way at all. So what do you do yeah. to try and prevent that yeah. during the race? Well, that's something, I guess I, I'm, I'm just such an on and open person. Like we did make a major mistake basically right at the start on our massive hike slash peg rough where we just tried to push the pace a bit harder and therefore I was obviously I was capable with carrying the load I had and I, I, I made sure they do know that if we go that pace I'm happy to and I'm capable. But if we if they want to pick up the pace, they obviously need to load off. You know, I, I can't sustain a higher pace. I also just got my parents, I knew the first day is always a bit of struggle strain and it's like, well if you you know, like, I don't know, that's the downside of being, a, it's a down and a plus, really. Mm. <laughs> but I did struggle with going a faster pace at that time. And that's usually what I always have when I even do a fast race. Like when I had my pair at the first dates, I'm never fast. It's just like a suffer fast and or like a diesel, but I can go. Mm. <laughs> but um, so anyway, we did, uh, they wanted to push harder, so I, gave a bit of weight off my pack and therefore someone else had to suffer, if that makes sense. So someone else had to take off more load, which we were already all loaded to the tilts. Like everyone had a massive pack on. And that that was a major mistake I reckon we made right at the start. And um, when that damage is done, it's really hard to recover from that. And then it became a, right, how do we as a team get them, you know, how can we help them? We still have five, six days ahead of us. <laughs> you know, it's really like as we went in there probably too early as racing, racing, and we should have more pretty thought a bit more like, hey, strategy, like it's probably more racing the course and you know, making sure we're looking after us and especially after such a big track, pack rough stage that you know, it's more like a tramp. We can't really pro, pro, um, approach it as like or, you know, we're just going to run down here and here. No, it doesn't work. Mm. <laughs> but, yeah, then it became down, like, it came down really how to, like, even more, you need to even work, work more and sacrifice yourself more for your teammates because they need it more than, you, you know, than, than you, right? Like, I, I, I knew I had more energy and I had no sore feet than Sam. So, of course, I took my load back and tried to help even more, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so did the other guys too, just to really make him sort of light on his feet. And not just that, also we made sure we, we, we stopped for time and addressed the seed and popped the blisters and, you know, like did bloody surgery halfway in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> um, but I think it paid off that we finished and that we finished well. Mm. Yeah. And that is speed that we're actually able to recover a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. And uh, are all your feet in a pretty sorry state by the time you finish? No, no, like Theo's feet are pretty damn good. Uh, even Hamish's feet look really amazing. My one, they didn't look that amazing. <laughs> but um, they did really well, my feet. <laughs> I think it's always when you see someone 
that's hurting more than you it's like i've got nothing to complain you know <laughs> yeah yeah so what was some of the highlights for you during god's own who the highlights um or i think just being out there with your mates and i don't know just um you do you on a big journey with them and you share basically everything the highs and the lows and the sunrises and the, the amazing sceneries you see and it's just so nice to share it with someone rather than when you take it to around by yourself it's like oh look at this beautiful waterfall water whatever <laughs> you know like <laughs> and yeah so this is actually it's it's great when you can share your excitement and um i guess passion with someone and they're all excited at the same time and it's also funny how you see start seeing things they're not there and you make shapes out of clouds and rocks and tassies <laughs> not quite hallucinating but it's quite funny what your mind or your eyes do after 5 6 days <laughs> so the, and you just have a good laugh about it <laughs> so you were out there for was it 6 days for god's own no, seven actually, seven. exactly seven days. Oh my <laughs> yeah, goodness! Yeah, yeah. So, in that yeah. time, how much sleep did you all get? Um, we averaged around three hours sleep at night. Not every night, but sort of that's sort of the average, two to three hours, I reckon. Like we had one night with one and a half, then two, four, two, three, you know, down to two. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I would say an average of three-ish. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, no wonder why you're hallucinating. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't as bad. Like it was actually. I feel like I still haven't quite um, tapped into the real hallucination <laughs> 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 because I, I I knew that it's not there. <laughs> like, it's, but you say it out loud, and everyone just looks at. Oh yeah, see the same thing. Or you know, it could be uh, yeah, 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 yeah. How do you think your navigation went? Um, I think we did actually really well. Like mm-hmm. Theo, I've raced now the second time with Theo, and um, I I'm quite impressed with him. Like he's a he's a young man that's very confident with his nav, and I think what it's even shown on the track, or when we did some shortcuts, it actually made sense, or we didn't make some time up on others. Um, he's a very confident guy and quite direct and. Um, He's also quite amazing. He travels quite fast with his, you know, even having a heavy load. And he was a major, a major a guy helping us out, especially with Sam, um, taking a lot of weight. So we had a few stages where he was running around with two pack rafts on his pack and food and whatever he needed to, like, just to help us to, you know, to keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> like, quite impressive. Um, now he's a, he's a, a good young fellow, like... Um, and quite switched on. I, I was already impressed last year when we raced with him and Richie McCaw. And Richie was the backup nav, but it was just amazing the skill he had, like the skill set with um, when we did that massive Rogan. And I think we had a similar time to Avea, like Nathan's team. Um, and that was quite impressive. And despite we only had one big strong navigator and uh, I mean, I don't want to downplay Nathan's team. They're amazing, but they have two bloody good navigators. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I think it's yeah. He's a yeah. I think he's got a, a big future ahead of him once. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Will you, as a team, like the same four of you, be back for twenty twenty three? I don't know. I can't think that far ahead right now. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would be, I'd love to always, yeah, I mean, um, 
Yeah, I wouldn't want to miss a go out there. It's such good events, these, um, like, they're amazing, like, mm. especially here on, here on, your, on your doorstep. But, yeah, I don't know. There was a few other birds to kill before then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, hey, I really wanted to ask you about this year's Coast to Coast because it was just so different from the rest. So with such an altered course, how did you find it and did it play to your strengths or did you actually find this year quite hard? Oh, well, yeah, um, this year's coast to coast. Yeah, it was. I mean, I mean, I was, I'm just, I'm just so happy, to be honest, um, that they actually went ahead, that they made it happen and put on the coast to coast um, because not just that I won, but it also created some income for me. (laughs) 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 You know, like, so, I mean, that's not always a given and you can't race that way or you can't budget anything because you just never know what's going to happen on the day. But I was just happy because um, all the events, you know, with this whole COVID situation, it's just, they've just been dropping left, center, right. Like, you know, like when we had this new, I don't know, this new variant coming through, um, I don't I can't even keep up with this whole COVID thing anymore. <laughs> um, but so I was just happy. I mean, I felt really terribly sad and, you know, sorry for the two days um, that they couldn't go ahead. But also I was stoked that we could go ahead and maybe that gave me some motivation to, I don't know, to inspire me a bit more to, I don't know, dig deeper <laughs> on the day. <laughs> that was my philosophy. <laughs> Didn't quite, well, it did work out because I won, but it wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't the race I wanted to have. So even with the course change, I mean, that's something we, that's out of our hands. And I think I'm quite adaptable athlete these days. Like, I mean, it's something that we, that's out of our control. Yes, we all train for the, you know, the real course. And I still think even the alternative course was actually quite a hard course, to be honest. Because if you look at the distance, I mean, it's all the same. But um for example, we come off that hard mountain run, which is quite a demanding run. And then usually in the past, we would bike for 15 k's to the Mount White Bridge and jump into our boats. So our legs would actually have some time to recover for the last 70 kilometer time trial. So this time we had no time to recover our legs. So we went straight into from our 30k mountain run, which is quite gnarly <laughs> with high river crossings, you know, the whole shebang. But we went straight into a 100, what, 15k uh, time trial ride and it's not bloody flat it's actually quite a decent up and down you know <laughs> so um so that i think it you know it's um it's 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 a hard it was a hard course um by all means and then yes of course the pedal wasn't the same but at least they put a pedal in you know what i mean like um they truly tried hard to make it as i don't know as adaptable to the old you know like good for us as it could be otherwise they could have just said oh you're just going to bike it now to Christchurch <laughs> you know um so I don't know I just um took it as well whatever it is we just we all in the same boat nothing I can I can't you know we can complain about it but it's not going to change you just have to make the most out of it you know what I mean like um yeah 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 and how it went for me like I mean I mean, yes, I won. People say, oh, you should, yeah, I was, I, I am happy that I won. Of course, it's nice to win. It's cost to win it three times. I feel like, yeah, I still have a bit of unfinished business because it's not on the right course, the off, you know, the original course. But then on the other side, oh, Jesus, who gives a shit? <laughs> it was a hard puddle and honest course. Um, personally, I thought I could have done a lot better because cycling is my strength. And even on that course, especially hilly, it's more bonus for me, but it's, 
it didn't happen. <laughs> I don't know what happened now, but I, I didn't make enough time I wanted. And then people were like, but you won by eight minutes. Like, yeah, well, I thought I could put like Brayden. I could, I thought I could demolish them on the bike and I didn't. <laughs> Which time, I'm sure the girls were happy that they, it showed that their training and, you know, whatever they do is actually going quite well, which is also positive for other girls, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's motivating. <laughs> um, yeah, it's great. So, but it also gives me, I don't know if I will be back for another year. Uh, I'm not sure yet, but I do feel like uh, I got some unfinished business, but then, oh God, you will always have unfinished business. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when do you ever stop? When are, when will you be satisfied? Like that's I guess the questions like, oh I don't know. I don't know, I have to answer them. Oh, I have to I don't know, figure them out in the next few months. <laughs> so I guess the big question there is if you've won it several times, what's the unfinished mm. business for you? <laughs> oh, I guess because we're such performance freaks. You know, you wanna you wanna go out there. Well that's what I that's what I always try and achieve in every race. I want to go out there and I want to be the best version I can be. And I feel like I want to leave it all out there. Like that I gave everything I had on the day and it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I always feel like, damn, you're not brutally broken. Like you're not like collapsing at the finish line, but maybe you don't want to collapse at the finish line. But I feel like, oh, like I, um, I mean, I, again, I don't want to blame my period, but it's a very unfortunate thing. And I don't know what it is. I've raced so many Ironmans with the same issue that I always on Ironman day get my period on the day running. I just feel like such a slob running, regardless if it's a 40K, 10K. And I don't know if I need to look more into my diet, you know, leading up into the race or even working more with the cycle, you know, like to prevent... I don't know, apparently, yeah, there's so much talk about it, but it's like, and, and I know, I mean, with my experience that usually I, I can just somehow suffer through these, mm-hmm. you know, the challenges I have, like the coast or even an Ironman, like Challenge Wanaka or Ironman New Zealand. I make it happen because that's just, you just have to do it because you can't choose on what day you have your period. <laughs> but I don't know, sorry, that might be totally off. But I, I, I think it's a big factor, you know, yeah. in, in especially for women. And I'm not blaming it, but it definitely makes me feel not a good runner or feels me quite, I, I, I feel not the greatest running, to be honest, than if I don't have it, <laughs> if that makes sense. No, I'm so glad you yeah. brought that up because it is, it's such mm. an important thing to talk about. And I think a lot of women mm. find, like there's lots of different evidence out there, or well, not an awful lot, to be honest, around different stages of our cycle and what kind of training's best when, what kind of dietary intake's best when. But ultimately, like, every woman's so different and some women feel amazing during the first few days of their cycle and they perform at their best and can, like, push harder. And then other women, like, you you say you feel a bit sluggish and slower. Um, So it's just so variable and I think you just have to, the more self-aware you are of what you feel and when, the better you can try and, Mm. I guess, mitigate some of that and try and work with it rather than letting it work against you. Yeah, yeah. So that's one thing. And then the other thing, um, about a month before the coast, I did a training run over the Gold Pass, and I had a terrific, not accident, but I crashed quite badly. I face-planted. I thought I'd broken my jaw. I, I did something to my thumb ligament at the top and my leg, and it was just horrible. <laughs> So I thought, 
my race is basically over right there. <laughs> and I guess, again, running back over that course, I was very, very careful over these rocks. Like, I was very hesitant, like, and that's something I, I guess I'd like, damn, I need to go back because I know I just... I, I used to be such a better runner than I've shown you. <laughs> like <laughs> three years ago, I had the fastest run time over. And now I'm like this little, not slow, but you know, like when you feel like you've got a bit more potential, then yeah. But putting it all together, and that's, I guess, that's such a fine out, like, I guess, like triathlon, you know, like it, you can train so well, but it's it comes down to can you do the same on race day? And I feel like with the coast, I haven't quite managed to put it all the three for the you know all the three disciplines together as such um but then yeah i don't know it's like you let that go because you got three titles and you want to move on in life <laughs> or do you want to come back for one more <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then see how much better can you get and i don't know or have this perfect i think guess people um, define it as the perfect race, you know, when everything just falls into place. And I had the perfect race, not at coast, but at other events where I was like, wow, this is incredible. Like literally everything just fall into place and you didn't even think about it. You were like literally just racing in the moment and you felt so amazing. You felt like you're invincible, like literally like, bah, bah, like the super, super woman. <laughs> um, yeah, we will see. I it's reckon we'll see you there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, but before then, I know in Dougal's podcast, he said he was going to do Red Bull Defiance with you in Australia. Is that still on the cards? At this stage, yes, I'd love to. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a bit of a roller coaster even to get into that race. It's like, wouldn't you want international athletes over there racing? <laughs> uh, they weren't that impressed. But anyway, we're coming. <laughs> so is that August? So, yeah. yeah, the end of August. Yeah. So I still have a bit of, I don't know, time to faff around and I don't know, yeah, get my head back into the game. <laughs> yeah. So what's your training yeah. like at the moment? Is it pretty pretty relaxed? Yeah, it is pretty relaxed. It's like... Oh, I don't know. I just feel like, I don't know, I try and figure out training, my life, what I want to do. You know, like, <laughs> it's almost a bit like, not a midlife, no, I wouldn't call it midlife crisis, but where you feel like, oh, I need to move on. But then it's like, I love this lifestyle. It's actually quite great. <laughs> well, I just work a bit here and there, do a bit of random jobs for friends and contracts. <laughs> yeah. But then also me and my good friend Emily Wilson, we just started up a business um, about six months ago, which is called The Level Up. Um, and that's been taking quite a bit of time to set up. Um, it's basically we doing clinics over the weekends where we um, teach, not teach, but sort of, um, yeah, it's a bit like teaching, encourage women, you know, to bring the best version out of themselves by, in, you know, getting out and about and teaching them basic skills like, I don't know, that they don't have to rely on their husbands or partners so much as like, you know, woman power. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess also a bit more maturity in themselves that they can do if they want to, you know, like, and we want to help them to, um, yeah, even with navigation stuff. So, um, yeah, it's still a, a little um, little bit on the, I don't know, how, we still try and figure out how to navigate that whole thing. 
and get it off the grid a bit. Um, but we had a few clinics and they 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 were they 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 were really well like and we had one in Tian now and we had thirty ladies over the weekend and they had a blast. So it was absolutely amazing how they just um were so appreciative to show them um how to get your bake wheel out of the car, out of the bike frame. <laughs> <laughs> It just made my day. It's like wow, <laughs> things I don't even think about it. But uh, for them, it was such a such a th- obstacle like sort of thing to overcome because you know because I can relate. I've got a boyfriend, and I sometimes ask him, or he tries to give me advice, and then he gets frustrated with me because with me because I don't take on his advice, or then we get so emotional so quickly. <laughs> And so I could sympathize with them when they're like, oh, my, my partner is no patient and he's showing me and I don't understand. It's like, don't worry, I get it. <laughs> and it was so nice when a lady just shows you the same thing and I don't know, and maybe show it in a different way and show them a different a different variety, how to do it or, you know, like <laughs> make them aware of more things than just pulling your wheel out and putting it back in. There's some trick loopholes, you know, like little things like that. Um, So they were just so happy and grateful. (laughs) That sounds like such a cool initiative you and Emily have started. How can people get in touch? Do you have a website or anything like that? Yeah, we do have a website, which is called, uh, with a big A, Level Up. (laughs) Level Up. (laughs) Level Up, yeah. Yeah, at, uh, what is it, dot co dot nz. Cool. Awesome. Oh, that's fantastic. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess then, I don't know, we have also on Instagram, it's called The Level Up. Um, and we on Instagram as Speedy Renmowers. And I think Emily's there as Type 1 Diabetes. Um, or oh, that's the other thing, because I don't know if you know, but she is a Type 1 Diabetic. And that's the other thing. We just try to raise a bit more awareness. Then there's so many people out there, they think they, they can and they're limited with all their issues they have and you know they've got type one type two whatever other issues and it's like no actually if you want you can you can do a lot and we also try and promote a really good healthy holistic sort of wholesome lifestyle i think like a bit of everything a good balance i guess Mm. (laughs) you know like Mm. so yeah we're not dietitians or anything like it i would never say that (laughs) (laughs) i feel like i learned so much over the last 20 years, I was like, damn, maybe I should do a degree. But I don't know. I think it would drive me mad. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. As you see, I'm not very well prepared. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have it all written on my notes. <laughs> no, no, I like these podcasts natural and conversations, so no stress. Hey, so you oh, reached too. out regarding um, specifically the Eating Disorder podcast, and you were willing to jump on and share your story. So I'm not sure where's best to start, but can we maybe rewind to your younger years and can you tell us a little bit more about what happened when and what that journey looked like for you? So, righty. So it's, as, as um, sorry, I talk German now, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Kicked to English. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't even know how you say that. I developed or I made myself have an eating disorder. <laughs> I developed an eating disorder when I was about 15 years old. I just left school. Um, so I became anorexic and it turns later on into anorexia, bulimia. And that all happened. I knew what was going on because I, 
I got triggered in my head about when I was 13, 14 years old um, by playing with a guy playing basketball and he was my boyfriend at the time, but by a, a position he did at the, at the hub, um, something clicked in my head and I started seeing, um, getting funny photo shoots in my head and just feeling really weird and crazy about guys. But anyway, what, what happened there is that I had three flashbacks about my past. Um, what happened to me as a young child of five years old, I got sexual abuse by my neighbor, uh, which I, I kind of forgotten at the time. Well, I did forget <laughs> till that moment. <laughs> but that, that having this guy or my, my boyfriend at the time, they're playing basketball with me and doing that move, just, um, how do you say, unlocked all that stuff, that trauma that's been just put on hold basically for about six, seven, eight years. Um, so that was the beginning of it. And, I, and then I guess why I had this eating, why I developed this eating disorder, because I was totally overwhelmed with feelings, emotions going through my puberty. I mean, it was a bit late, but this whole, you know, like trying to figure out yourself, um, having, you know, boobs and all this stuff, <laughs> your period, and just like this feeling of um, having, like being a child and having someone that basically takes over your body and does uses you as a play toy and you've got no control and as a child you have no emotions but then as a 14 15 year old you actually have emotions and you've got feelings and you've got hormones and it's like this 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 crazy uh it's like a tornado in the head like you can't even figure out like it's such a it's so fucked up to be honest, sorry to say it, but it was such a overwhelming thing for me. Therefore, I developed all sorts of symptoms like I had um, every time I would go and even do athletics. And I used to love athletics. I, 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 I always had the best grade in athletics. I played, played every sport you could imagine as a child or even, even as a teenager. But I, I really isolated myself when, when this whole trauma came back up. And um, therefore... Also, it created a lot of pain and just um, not just pain, but it created all these feelings of being ashamed, feeling not worthy or, you know, like guilty, feeling guilty that it, it was my fault. Like it was so uh, just a crazy mix of emotions and I, I didn't know how to process it. Like it was just like so much pain and everything involved um I didn't quite know how to deal with this whole thing. So I started cutting myself. It's, I guess, like a pain release. Um, I also had a, how do you say it? Like when you do self-inflicted pain, <laughs> just to numb yourself, where you bang your head against the wall or you use water and just clap it against the... <laughs> it's ridiculous. Absolutely not ridiculous. But it's even now, it's like, I can't even believe that I did such things. But... And I got put in touch with a psychologist, but what happened, I'm not blaming my parents anymore, but you know what happened because I had also, I started hyperventilating a lot when I was around guys. So I, I got into this panic attack and I just lost it. And therefore they sent me to a psychologist. And then of course I told the psychologist what's going on with me. And then therefore he was like, yeah, well, you know, trying like sweet talk it like you know like not sweet talk but of course they try and help you but then also they told your parents like they basically tell your parents off but that backfired to me later on because I would come home and then my parents feel a bit like you know like I just um how do you say like I 
not cheated on them, but of course, uh, you know, like made them made them look bad in front of others. <laughs> so then, therefore, I got punished being back home. Like it was a massive roller coaster. Like it was just out of this world. Like um, quite a lonely place to be in. And then I finished I finished school at fifteen, and then I started an apprenticeship in a bakery. And that's probably the worst thing <laughs> for someone, <laughs> you know. But anyway, I started punishing myself. Um, I guess by not eating anymore or eating very less. That's something I guess you can tr- control. I guess that's the, the main, I guess, people with an eating disorder or with all sorts of disorders or addiction, you know, if it's drugs or whatever, you try and figure, you try and find something that fits to, I don't know, whatever you can cope. For me, it was eliminating food or if I had food. Uh, I mean, that was the other thing, like by having all these these flashbacks of um, pictures coming up, it made me literally vomit. <laughs> so therefore, it was easy for me. Like it was like to vomit was like the release. It was like, you know, like when you let the tire pressure off like <laughs> or the train or instead of cutting, then therefore I started vomiting. <laughs> and it wasn't just food. I would just vomit anything like water. Even if I wouldn't eat much, I would literally just vomit water. And that vomiting, not eating much, that was my way of feeling quite satisfied. Like really like, whew, this is like almost when you inject some drugs into your body. <laughs> it was like a really high coming off it. <laughs> and it worked for quite a while or a few months. Oh, well, it went for three, four years. <laughs> um, but then I also realized that we even just a few months that it's not helping anymore. I still have the flashbacks. I still have these emotions. Like uh, the pain is getting, the pain is getting worse. And um, yeah, and even the organs starting to show symptoms of not being in such good shape anymore. Yeah, quite early on. Yeah. So yeah, that was a quick, short intro. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I shouldn't laugh. Not funny. So. Mm. You said the the flashbacks and the eating disorder started around age 15 for you, and that was initially just anorexia and restricting your food intake and, and self-harm yep. to a degree. And then when did the bulimia yep. initiate? Was that like further down the track? Yeah, well, that came, that was almost like I, um, even with the pictures, I started already throwing up, but it wasn't so much food. It was more just even liquid, just that release of, just get the shit out of it like mm. just by the, the feeling of feeling so blah, disgusting about yourself and just yeah um that was quite from early on like I remember I um I was I just started my apprenticeship we hit the first the first winter 2000 oh no it wasn't 2000 it was like uh, 1995 <laughs> into 96 and I was I think I lost like over 10 kgs in a very short time. And it was winter, we hit the first winter and I got, I, I'm just always, like I lost a lot of weight, obviously. And, oh, what are I trying to say? Um, I think I, oh no, no, I did throw up already. I, I remember I had, I was throwing up there already, but it was only what, like, like just liquid. Mm. It wasn't so much, you know, getting the bulk in, which later on changed. Yeah. Um, it was more just that, that 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 throwing up feeling, if that made sense. Right. And then, oh, what happened that year? I got a very infected, um, what is it, where your food goes down, that, that channel here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, then I couldn't even drink anymore because I was so inflamed. Mm, wow. Yeah, that's pretty bad. 
Yeah. And do you feel like the, the choice to go and work in the bakery was that sort of from an obsession with food and wanting to be around and making food or was it just, did it kind of just coincide that it happened at the same time? Oh, that was such a coincidence because my mom worked there as a casual and she knew the family and I left school and I had no idea what I want to do, going to do. I, well, I, all I wanted to do was connected with sport, like being a sports teacher. But then they told me with my grades, I cannot be such a thing. It's such a dream. I wanted to work in a sport job and they're like, no, you just haven't got the grades to do anything like, which is ironic because five years later, I do actually an apprenticeship in a sports shop. <laughs> but at the time, I didn't know what happened there. I couldn't do it. So it was like just the last minute um, or better than nothing. You need to make money somehow. And you, it's good to have a an apprenticeship in your in your hands you know that what I guess I just jumped back onto guidance for my mom but she wasn't aware of what's going on in my head anyway <laughs> like she wasn't aware of what I'm got already ticked out and then that was just fuel to the fire really later mm. on mm. well it's just complete inner turmoil isn't it that's so hard to articulate yeah. to anyone how long did mm. it take for you to you know speak to a psychologist and actually start getting the help you needed I had over from 1995 till 1997, I was on and off, uh, not in clinic, or but just seeing psychologist on and off. Um, but probably, probably, probably um, 1997, where I, um, where I had probably reached out to a lot more people and that was probably the year I, I finally came to the conclusion that I can't help myself to get out of that spiral I mean I thought I could but I certainly I was already so deep in and quite extremely in like um, with not just with your habits you do but you start lying you start having all sorts of excuses you start coming up with ideas that's not even imaginable anymore just to get your quick fixing of food and throwing up basically (laughs) and I was like man yeah it took me oh I don't know I feel like I've got quite an addictive personality it was like a quick turnaround because I also read books about other women they've struggled it's the same thing and oh my god I mean I'm I'm kind of grateful that this all happened at the time it did <laughs> and not later on. It all happened quite quickly and within two and a half years, I feel like I I came to that conclusion, I need some help, I need some professional help. I can't just see a psychologist every few weeks. I actually need to go into a clinic like in a hospital or, yeah, um, and in a therapy, I guess, and, you know, and treat this properly. Yeah, so you're basically an inpatient at like a treatment centre yeah. 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 How long was that for? Oh man, I was locked away quite for a bit. <laughs> um, first, I thought we're gonna go in there for like four weeks, <laughs> and then um, I think the minimum they said was like three months, and then I just keep extending. And I was away for six months, and then I had another three additional months of they call it more rehabbing for introducing you into a normal work life where you're not in that locked away clinic anymore but you are in a flat living in a flat with other patients and you've got like sort of 
doctors coming, you know, checking on you and you're still on the same area, like next to the clinic, but you're more freed or more individual. So you got, you know, like you're more, you're more brought into your own living <laughs> and buying food and looking after yourself a bit more rather than having mm. made tea and lunch and dinner. Um, yeah, a total of nine months. Wow, yeah. But I guess mm. trying to gradually get you back into like the real world and, you know, doing all that yourself, it probably helps reduce the risk of relapse. Oh, yeah, 100%. And um, I mean, it was my my choice at the end. You know, I could have left after, I think, three months, but I, I knew I wasn't ready. I was like, this is, I feel like I'm, I finally, I'm finally just kind of seeing a little light. There's a brighter light <laughs> and I'm not there yet. <laughs> and um and also changing, like, I feel like what I learned in the clinic was, um, so when I left, it was like, okay, I'm going to go there for three months, and then I'm going to come back home. And that's what my family thought, too. It's just like, oh, yeah, you go there. It's like putting you in a garage, get a bone of fitness, but you come back and live on. It's like, no, you need to change your life. I guess the same with, with the whole, whole disorder, you know, eating or whatever you use as a, or abuse as a, or whatever issue you have, like if whatever you want to change in like, like you need to think about big, like you think big about it. Like how can I make this change? Not just for about three months or, you know, when they talk about diets or five weeks or eight weeks, how can I make this change? How can I live with this change? You know, like at the, how can I make a change that I can live with this for the rest of my life? And that that's 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 huge, <laughs> um, and that will take time. And I I don't know what I keep telling people now is like, it's it's time, <laughs> it's time and being patient. And um, yeah, you just have to even you go one step ahead, and sometimes you go ten step back, backwards. But you you did one step forward. Mm. That's what counts. Yeah. And you're gonna build on that, you know, like yeah. But anyway, after the three months, I keep extending, and then you know, yeah. Um, but I have to say, I think the health system in Europe is much better than over here. I don't know. I'm quite a bit shocked. Like I find it crazy. Like how I don't even know how people afford being, being sick here. Like, yeah. <laughs> you cannot. This is insane. Well, I'm hardly sick. But even just seeing the doctor is like, wow. Mm. Or even just getting a blood jab now is like, wow. I feel like. The, paying the nurse, it's gone up $15 <laughs> in two years. It's like, hallelujah. But even the, yeah. the treatments available for eating disorders and the support available, just New Zealand needs to do a lot better. Yeah. Yes, yes. Like I had, I mean, I yes, I had, I think I had, I considering over here, I had uh, uh, amazing support. Like even there I thought, oh God, I'm the only one. And oh, poor me. But then I come over, it was like, Holy shit, man! You poor people. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, I had it so so good, and it was all funded, like paid by the government. Oh wow! You know what I mean? Like, wow. like yeah. I mean, if I had an insurance, like a, um, what is it? Like um, a what is it? A health insurance, but mm. I don't know if there's a such thing here. No, I know right. we get ACC pay, but I don't think they would pay for anything like it. To be honest, you know, like. Yeah, I was thinking when you said you had nine months there, I was like, wow, that must have cost an absolute fortune. Yeah, no, I didn't have to pay a cent. 
<laughs> I'm pretty sure my, my parents would have put the thumb on, for, you know, like, we you're going to get out there now. <laughs> Even though I never came home. <laughs> Did you... But I'm sure they would have pulled the plug as like, okay, <laughs> you come out of here. Did you have any other addictions to work through alongside the eating disorder, like exercise, drugs, or alcohol? Um, I, yes, um, exercising that probably came later, I think, when it ch- changed a bit. I had what it also, what happened, um, I think that happened after the clinic. I jumped into the, is it Lexitis? Oh, Lexi- yeah. When you get them that you go to the toilet, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, sorry, it's just a nervous laugh. <laughs> it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> Um, not, no, I've not been really a draggy. I wouldn't say a draggy. <laughs> um, no. But um, no, I don't know. That's something I'm probably proud of myself. That even at hospital, I, I, I was hospitalized in the clinic. I don't know if you can say hospital or clinic. I don't even know what's the right word. But for this um, clinic, they put all the addicts in it. Um, a lot of them were on medication. Like, um, um, what is it? Um Antidepressants? Uh, yes, yes. It blew my mind how many women. I, I mean, the only, yeah, it was another thing. I was in a clinic with 70 ladies. I was the youngest. I got in there when I was 17. Oh, it just turned eight, you know, just before I turned 18, so seven and a half. <laughs> I was like the baby. And I was in there surrounded by ladies. They were in their 70s mm. and never in there with alcohol addiction like it just blew my mind but it was also a good wake-up call for me I think seeing them like the whole spectrum of ladies you know and not just eating disorder we had drug obesity like the other spectrum like me being anorexic polemic um I got abused to drug you know like you name and shame and it was all in there and it's like wow this is wow this is a mind-blowing and medication like yeah, mm. yeah. But even in there, like, is it, sorry, I lost them. I swapped over again. <laughs> like, it did. I don't know. I never went into this train. I always had this belief, like, I'm on this journey. I made this commitment. It's gonna be really probably the hardest thing I've done in my life. This, this whole thing of overcoming because I was on the verge either dying or living because I went down to 35 kgs, and my organs were pretty, pretty on the tilt too. To you know, to keep going, <laughs> um, but. I, I made this commitment, I was like, I'm going to do it right. And if I go now into other drugs, they did ask me how I feel, you know, because it's such a feeling roller coaster. And it's all about, it's all about sorting out your feelings, isn't it? Like, mm. especially like you need to learn to use food in a normal metal game and not attach any feelings to it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because in the past I used it to, uh, I, I abused the food to, to dumb myself. Mm. So I numbed myself so much that I couldn't even feel anything anymore. I had no emotions. I didn't. I, I didn't care if I'm going to live or die. I basically, I want. I did have self harm, and I wanted to die because I. I just found it so. Dis- like I just wasn't. You know, I just found it so shocking what happened to me in my life. I know there are people way worse than me, and I know. But the, I know you can always have harder. Ch- you know what I mean? Like, but for me, it was pretty dramatic. And I guess not having the help and the support, I felt like, wow, this is as bad as it gets. Yeah. <laughs> But I think Manny made me such a tough lady yeah. <laughs> um, later on in life. I was like, man, you overcome this. You, Jesus. Yeah, it takes a lot to put me down, I think. <laughs> yeah, far out. Do you mm. think mm. that level of 
mental toughness and getting through something so tough so young has helped you now as an athlete in terms of like being able to push so much mentally when like the pain really you know really gets to you when you're competing I think so I think it definitely helped me because oh man, I, I, I well we all feel pain and I feel like and it's not that I feel it less than others I feel like I feel it just as bad as others, but maybe I, I know I can just suffer a little bit longer through that pain, if that makes sense. You know, I the sore tummy or I don't know. <laughs> like I had so many sore tummies where I was curled up in the bathroom and I couldn't even bloody walk anymore, but I would get up and make myself throw up and would do it again and <laughs> over again. And then I go and work and it's like not, not, nothing happened. Like, and I didn't use any painkillers, like, but that was feeding me. That was feeding me. That was a, a feel-good thing, which is, like, ridiculous talking about it. How can pain be a feel-good thing? Mm. But it's, again, a, a control thing. But, mm. yeah, I, I, I definitely think it had it has an impact of, I don't know, because, I mean, the racing, that's, it's a thing I love to do. It's not, it's not a punishment anymore. It's something I, I strive to, you know, mm. like, and then, yes, you get a bit of sore muscles. <laughs> But sometimes it's quite good when you feel your shaky leg or you go to the gym and you muzzle yourself up and, you know, or even when you feel unfit, it's actually quite a nice, I don't know, if people can let themselves go a bit like I have in the last eight weeks, you know, to, it's a, I guess it's a, it's a love-hate thing, you know, kind of just letting yourself go. But also when you work your way up again, it's, um, yeah, it's quite a nice thing. Yeah. <laughs> that well, you, makes sense. You can't always be peak fitness, you know. You have yeah. to have ebbs yeah. and flows through the year and recover and relax mm. and not focus solely on training for a while. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you so, – so when you finished your treatment from there, were you pretty much, like, all good? Like, you, you'd never had a relapse. You were pretty much full steam Oh, ahead. no. No. <laughs> so that's something I, I don't know, could probably question what would have happened if I would have left earlier. Probably the same thing. Mm. Um, I think I, I just used the max as my, you know, to, for my benefit. And I think it took about five to ten years, I'd say, for me to call myself not 100% clear because I feel like if you had an eating disorder or if you were a drug addict, drug addict or an alcoholic you will all we will will always be addicts no Mm -hmm. you know and I Mm -hmm. I don't know that's what they told us in the clinic and I I agree with that (laughs) um I I think you over time you learn of course it takes time to learn to use it in the right way Mm -hmm. and not abuse it you know if that makes sense Mm -hmm. but the only thing I don't know that's what I learned they told me clearly and I don't know maybe some people will be offended like alcoholics or druggies or whatever like but if you look at it like they an alcoholic or drug they don't need drugs to to be alive right but uh, some food like to be alive like humans we need food and water to be alive Mm -hmm. we can't just leave that out so for us to 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 go on this journey or to to find this healthy, build up this healthy relationship to, you know, that we don't abuse it. I think it takes a lot longer than uh, cleaning out your cupboard. I don't have any alcohol. You know, I, I, I just put this out of my house and, you know, try not to be associated with it. I don't go through the alley at the, at the, at the supermarket. You can cut it out. But mm. food, I cannot cut out. 
and I have to I have to feed myself regardless. <laughs> so I think that was a valuable thing they taught me that I shouldn't be so hard on myself. Like I don't know if that's the hard way they have it in Germany, but when you go in in a clinic as an alcoholic, and you know you do your rehab, da da da, and then you come out and you shouldn't touch alcohol anymore. There's no such thing as easing into it. Mm. Which for me, I came out and they said, don't don't throw everything away if you start puking now again, you know? Like, um, it's okay as long as you don't puke every day and as long as you um, don't attach your feelings. To, you know, like, um, I guess, use a bit of, co- not common sense, but... I guess it's 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 over over it's evolving over time mm-hmm. if you, if that makes sense. I also had an eating diary, so I had to, you know, record every day what I was eating, how much, uh, you know, at what times, and and that was a good thing for me to I guess reflect and like okay, is that a normal portion? <laughs> mm-hmm. Which later on, like it took me sometimes four weeks to realize. You know, um, half a cup of raisins or fluffy is actually not really food, <laughs> you know. But uh, um, so it was a very slow, long, I don't know, I felt it was a long process. But then, I don't know, it's always, I think I did well. <laughs> but I also had um, help, people helping me with that. Um, like the other thing, I went out of the clinic and I went never home. I went never back home where I came from. I literally changed my whole entire life. So I moved 50 k's away into a bigger city and I got put into a a flat which I had um, two caregivers helping me out during the week um, with with everything, anything, task. but I was living by myself and we had two times a week we had um, not cooking classes but we had um, meetings where we met before the the other kids around and we made food for for the whole for the whole crew mm-hmm. and i think that helped me heaps just being engaged into that 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 you know that environment and seeing others what's a normal portion you know like how do they eat like how much do they eat mm-hmm. like yeah and, and like having the social, fun obviously yeah the social enjoyment yeah, of food yeah. yeah 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 i mean maybe being so long away or locked away was also a bit maybe too long because it was really scary somehow being put into the world again. And it's like even going to the supermarket. I mean, I still have shopping lists. I I swear to God, (laughs) I still have shopping lists. I mean, I'm probably not that crazy anymore. Just going in and out and walking out with with nothing or walking out with a lot of shit I didn't want to. (laughs) (laughs) Happens to us all. (laughs) Oh my God. Man, I could write books. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like where you're at now, because like you said, that mindset or what you've been through, you recover from it and you move on, but it's always kind of that tiny piece in the back of your mind. Do you think you still have to occasionally keep yourself in check? Like, do you still experience the odd really negative thought around food or exercise or anything that you kind of have to like go, whoa, hang on? I think it will never leave you, to be honest. Mm. I can't imagine even if someone hasn't got an eating disorder or, you know, has nothing, I feel... I don't know, in the world we live in these days, unfortunately. <laughs> the social media is just um, quite a negative thing in that case, mm. and, you know, to some regards. Um, I feel like I do have a very healthy relationship now with food. I love cooking. I love making good food. And um, how do you say? 
Um, I'm a big believer in you are you are what you eat. <laughs> um, yeah, even though I do eat a lot of crap when I'm out racing, <laughs> it's like sugar pill. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it depends on the type of racing, but uh, yeah, I love gels. <laughs> That's a quick fix. <laughs> it's not so good for your teeth, but you know, don't give me wrong. Like, it's, yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I do. Yeah, I, I I try and keep it as real as possible. Real real meals um you know real good food um and i guess i'm i'm very big on nutrition like it needs to has a have a nutritional value yeah mm-hmm. and also i'm a bit of not such a greenie but maybe greenie like also sustainable and you know um yeah environment not environmentally friendly but yeah, I, at least i don't want to leave a massive footprint <laughs> in yeah 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 yeah. Not that I'm a vegetarian. Oh, I'm a semi-vegetarian, which is not very good for my iron, I admit. I just had an iron shot today. It's like, damn, I did so well, and now I'm low again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a constant battle for ladies often. Yeah. Yeah, um, even like being a vegan, like, I don't know how people, I mean, to be a, become a vegan, like, you know, I, I admire, uh, yeah, people can do what they want, you know, like, I don't care. But, man, it's actually... It's not easy to even being a vegetarian or, you know, like choosing a specific diet on being paleo or gluten free. Like I I know it's, you know, it can be a bit of trend and a hype. And I've done that. I tried, you know, left, right, right, left, right, center, electoral, you know, whatever. (laughs) I tried it all out. But I came back to that conclusion. It needs to be a healthy, balanced diet. (laughs) Like just wholemeal and, and, and balanced. Like I, I like a good cake. I love making good cakes or good food, like, and, you know, like good dense food and rich food and, and just a good balance because when you, I guess again, when I feel like you go again into this kind of label or this addiction, like when you start cutting out things or eliminating stuff from yourself, it's like, why, why? And it makes you even more wanting it. It's like, but that's, that's, that's not good, is it? Mm-hmm. But then again, you know, with wine or, you know, like all these things, yes, you have to be careful, but all in moderation, isn't it? But, but, like, I don't mind if people drink or in moderation, <laughs> you know, like this moderation, <laughs> like this, this, I guess this balance. And I guess that's that, that fine line with, um, even I had to learn, like, I didn't know what's balance. Like, I, I had no idea, like, what's enough, what's not enough. And and now people look, I mean, my partner, when I train for the coast or for, for an event, they're like, man, you eat more than I do. It's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's hard to imagine, but I actually do eat well. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, but I burn it all. Exactly. Like, I need it. You're yeah. training, like, hours and hours a day. Yeah. 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 But back in the days, I was the same thing. I, I you know, I, I was nothing. I was like a little fly. I had nothing on me. Like, and I would run literally on on nothing. And it blew my mind how, I mean, it wasn't sustainable. <laughs> you know, of course, it had a, a side effect of my, you know, breakdown on <laughs> your organs <laughs> and your hair. Like, I had hair falling out and just like, oh, my God. It, it was just the whole thing, and um, um, and then I mean the other side effect I had is what um, what is it when people get the spastic column? Um, uh, a lot of runners have this, like my whole intestine got just so fucked up. <laughs> oh shit! Sorry, um, sorry. Like you know, like but that's the damage from overeating 
and then not eating and then using laxatives as you know the replacement to yeah it's just wow mm. and i know i never thought i could recover but i feel like my body has well recovered even the scars on my skin you cannot see me cutting it like there's no cuts anymore it's like mm. holy crap that's incredible mm. <laughs> like, from being cut everywhere like yeah, yeah. yeah. It, well yeah such an incredible it's very inspiring like from where you've been to now like just incredible do you sometimes look back and go like holy moly like look where i am now i can't believe yeah yeah, yeah, I do this, um, not a lot. <laughs> Sometimes, I mean, I don't know, I think it comes out when, like with the coast, I think it's quite rewarding when, oh, you know, even when here, like we got, like, like um, the Otago Awards, maybe I shouldn't even mention this. <laughs> you know, when we got all these awards and then I get put into the same category as an Olympic skier and it's like, I never won the awards and I, I get it because I've never made it to, to the Olympics, but I, I, I feel like, man, if you take the Olympics away and put the same athlete into the category where you've come from, what you've achieved basically by yourself with with not much support and no sponsors, you know, you know I mean, not as being sponsored as a, um, in a being a, like as a, um, how do you say, like a, for example, try and Z sport, you know, like allocated athlete as such or an Olympian, then it's like, when you've got no money, Jesus, I, come a bloody long way mm. it's like how do you put this even in you know the same category mm. <laughs> but then they don't they don't know they don't care <laughs> but then it makes me feel good it's like man nah, i'm proud of myself <laughs> like, i've done i've done pretty well like you know like yeah, yeah 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 no it's um yeah and i'd love to i mean that's the thing i, I that's why i said i'd love to talk about it because i want to help or inspire i can't probably help but i can help with my i guess spreading the word and sharing my stories i'm not a psychologist it's uh is no i'm not you know i'm not a qualified dietitian or whatever but what i can say i i probably what a lot of people also i think should or need to know is that sometimes all you need is someone to listen to you Mm -hmm. you know someone you can just blurb out almost like a psychologist but it could be your best friend but they don't even need to give you feedback but just sharing whatever's and you know unload like mm. i think that's our main another issue we have these like just you know like just let it all out <laughs> like, it needs to come out because that's something that helped me as soon as i started talking yeah talking about what happened to me in the past and just letting it out rather you know like let, let go of this shame and and horrible feelings about yourself and guilt and blame just yeah sharing my stories i guess to the doctors and other people and um just being open about it helped me so much um basically just i guess feeling a betting about yourself and i think if if i don't know the the people here in new zealand or not just here in the world i guess could use this as a takeaway if they feel or need you know the need of talking to someone you don't need a specialist to talk to you know to unload your shit sometimes <laughs> sometimes all it takes is a shoulder like I, i'm lucky to have my partner now he takes a lot of me <laughs> uh full credit to him poor guy <laughs> but it's been amazing so i am yeah i'm very grateful for, for having marcel in my life now but that's yeah i mean it helped me so much like even good friends or best friends um or other 
people in my life yeah that helped me heaps and even now talking about it like i feel the more you talk about it um even with other people with a disorder like the more they let it out it's not like don't hide it away because this hiding is already a limitation you know where you yeah. you need to get out of this like break free <laughs> you know like, yeah and we shouldn't be ashamed because it's such a it's such a common thing these days like mm. people always shush shush you know like that's where i've been that's how i've been brought up with this oh what do the people think and say and even when i told my mom i need to go in a clinic and she's like what are the people gonna say when when they find out it's like who gives a shit about the people like or our family and i it's yeah. just i don't know i feel like yeah. Mental health, like a lot of people are trying to talk about it and, you know, advocate for it and speak up. And there's all the stuff on social media and stuff, but I mm. still feel like there's so much stigma around it, especially with eating disorders. And I think people just need to feel like, you know, you can come out and talk about it. It's nothing to be ashamed about. And I think the more people that do, especially like really inspiring stories like yourself, you know, mm. the better off, you know, you might help someone today go off and talk to someone else and you know get the help they need honestly like i i if people want to reach out they can i'm i'm happy to help you know like to to talk you know to to help them to to listen to them to to you know like um do please do <laughs> like if, if if there's no psychologist whatever psycho available like i'm not a psycho but <laughs> and i had a few ladies contacting me after that that um what is it called? The Athlete's Voice published a paper on this, what was it 2019 on when I won the first time the coast to coast. And he thought that's an incredible story from, you know, my past into winning a world champion title. Um, and I had a few ladies reaching out and they were so happy and, and grateful that I shared my story just on, on, you know, on, on social media. And I was like, yeah, I mean, please do like, you know, I know that this, this, this health system is totally, I don't know, overloaded. I don't know. It's such a horrible cycle to be in. But anyways, like if I can help one single person out of a hundred or a thousand or whatever, then please message me. You know, like as I said, I'm not an expert, but I, I know what you go through and I know how hard it is. But just knowing people, like I feel like people who have been through this similar stage or similar thing or have similar experience, it, it doesn't matter if it's alcohol drugs or whatever we all go through the same psychology in our heads we do the same things like any other if it's a drug abuse or alcohol abuse we have the same chemical reaction up here mm. like <laughs> so i i do know what you know i i can sympathize i know how hard it is it's not yeah i'm not sugarcoating things around but just having someone the other end understands you you know like yeah, I talked to a young girl recently and she's like, oh, if my mom would just listen, I was like, I hear you, I hear you. I had the same problem. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, moms. <laughs> All the moms out there, if you have a teenager girl that, you know, you try and help, please just listen to them what they have to say. That, that's all they need. They just need you, your unconditional love and that you actually, that you help, like, just listen to them. Mm. You don't even need to give them the, the, the most amazing advice or because at that stage she can't help them they can only help themselves but if you just show them you just just listen to them like mm. just bloody listen to them <laughs> because they've got so much more to say and they are opening up and they talk about their feelings and that's probably what helps them the most if they would have a mom that actually really deeply meaningful 
would connect with them on that on that level mm -hmm. rather than oh I'm your mom you know and I have all this experience and I take it to the doctor and I, let me tell you this and no you need a nutritionist or no 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 and oh no about you eating this or nah we fix it somehow it's like no you need to figure out what's causing it like listen to how that like what's causing that what maybe they like why like what happened there like mm -hmm. how did this occur occur like um you know there's always a reason for something it's not just oh i'm just gonna have an eating disorder now or i'm just gonna be an alcoholic now like no <laughs> it's not working now. yeah Exactly. It's a mental illness that's usually yeah. um, a, a symptom of underlying other mental struggles going on. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Hey, Simone, this has been such a fantastic chat. And I so appreciate you coming on and being so honest and open about everything because it's not always that easy to talk about. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been a bit of a rollercoaster, but we finally made it happen. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. And I feel like a lot of people will really love listening to this one. So thank you. Oh, thanks for having me on the podcast. <laughs> Much appreciated. Awesome. Thank you.